Brothers and sisters, our scripture reading is Psalm 16. Psalm 16. And I encourage you to open up your Bibles, find it on your phones or iPads, and follow along with me as we read this psalm together. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to Yahweh, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. Yahweh is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless Yahweh who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. One of the most beautiful aspects of the Psalter or the Psalms is that we can read it as if we are reading it as an individual unto the Lord. We hear the echoes of our own hearts and our own cries to God. And in many ways, when we don't have words to say, and perhaps the groanings of the Spirit are not enough for us or sufficient, we have the Psalms to echo our hearts, to echo what the Spirit wants us to strive for to teach us how to ask God for help. And in so doing, we as individuals, we grow in our faith because we learn how to interact with our God who is waiting to bless us. It's not unlike a child learning the language of their parents, a child learning what is supper time, a child learning when it's appropriate to ask mom or dad for something, or a child learning the, the culture of a family. We as God's people continue to learn how to interact with God. And the more so that we do it according to Scripture, the more your heart will be satisfied in Him. 
In this psalm today, we see the psalmist crying out to the Lord, speaking directly to the Father himself. And we need to start here as a framework when we ourselves are going through difficult circumstances. Who is it that we speak to? Who is it that we cry out to? We know that in common parlance today, when someone is going through difficult circumstances or when we see a disaster happening on the news, people will simply say, my thoughts and my prayers are with you. And people rightfully critique those phrases saying, who are you praying to? What power is there in thoughts? But all too often, we ourselves as God's people, we pray without even knowing who we are praying to. Our thoughts travel to places that we don't know where those thoughts will end up. But the psalmist here, King David, is very particular about who his prayer is to. His prayer is to God, and not just any God. His prayer is to Yahweh, the God who had revealed himself to Moses on the mountain, the God who appeared to David, the God who rescued them from their enemies. When you look in your Bibles and you see the word Lord in capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, in Hebrew, those are just the four letters of, of God's personal name. And in English, we simply say Yahweh. Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. This is his personal name. Now, we don't go around calling our parents by their first name. I hope most of you don't do that. But it'd be equivalent to saying that you can go to your dad or your mom, and the only person who can call them dad or mom is you, because you're their child. When we go to God and we call him Yahweh, we call him Father as well. But when we call him Yahweh, there is a closeness that we have to our God himself who reveals his name to us. This is who we come before and pray to. Not some figment in our imagination. Not some spiritual being that we conjure up but the God of history, of salvation, who's revealed himself to us. And this is where the psalmist starts. He says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe your faith is stronger than most people's faith. But rarely is there a day where I wake up and I go, I'm on fire for the Lord. Let me just praise the Lord. And pray to him and tell him of all the wonderful things that he has done. More often than not, there are days when you go to the Lord and the first words that come out of your mouth when you get out of bed is, Lord, preserve me, help me, deliver me, rescue me. 
the day before me is, is fraught with a lot of danger. And this is something that we can all take a lesson from, that when we go to the Lord, we go to the Lord knowing that there is not much in our control. And that we go to the Lord and to ask Him for help. And this is what distinguishes the psalmist from any other prayer that we may give unto some unknown God. It says, preserve me, for in you I take refuge. refuge. And here's where the psalmist actually speaks the gospel to himself. He's asking for help. And he's saying to God, I'm taking refuge in you. You see, the person who knows God is a person who doesn't go to, hot, to God when he is perfected in his faith or go to God when he feels like he's got everything together. The person who knows God, the person who's a disciple of God, the person who's been born again in God, is a person who takes refuge in him and asks God for help. Most of our prayers, brothers and sisters, will be prayers of despair, of knowing that we can't do anything, but only God can. Don't fear going to the Lord and pouring out your hearts shedding tears. Don't fear that God will throw you away or that God will not listen. This is the normal means by which God shows himself to us. Go. Verse 2 through 8 are very interesting. Because in verse 2 through 8 is how the psalmist preaches the gospel to himself. Self-talk psychology was sort of came into vogue in the 70s and 80s, but self-talk is actually a very biblical, biblical concept. And we are talking to our own selves, we're getting a hold of our own selves. And reminding ourselves why we take refuge in God. Reminding ourselves why we should run to Him. Verse 2. I say to Yahweh, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. The psalmist is able to sort of take an assessment of all that he has. Take an assessment of all the his worldly goods, take an assessment of his circumstances and is able to look at that and measure it up and simply say, by the measurement of what is good in my life, Yahweh, you're the only good that I have. The psalmist doesn't allow, as he takes refuge in him, to allow the other things in life to infiltrate his heart about who can give him 
refuge and peace. But he takes hold of himself and says, of all the things in the world, the only good I have is you. There's no buts. There's no, yeah, I know Jesus is good, the Lord is good, but I would really like X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I see that, and theoretically, yo, I know that God is all that I need, but there is no qualifications. There is simply going to the Lord, seeing Him face to face in His sanctuary, allowing the other things to have its proper place and perspective, and to go to God and say, God, you are the only good that there is. Verse 3, the psalmist continues. He says, As for the saints in the land, you are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The psalmist goes on to, to, to talk about the fact that who I need, who I need to hang around with, who I need, who I need to be with, who I need to have as my friends, are all the saints in the land. In other words, those who know the same God that I know. I need to delight. I delight in people who delight in the Lord. I delight in people who really say, God is good. I have no good apart from Him. And same with you. I, need, I enjoy being around people who say to me, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is your Savior. I enjoy being around people who love to quote Scripture to me. I love being around people who love to pray for me and with me. I love being around people who love Jesus. And he preaches this to himself again in light of the first words that we have. Preserve me. Help me. This is not a psalm of confidence. This is a psalm of help. Verse 4, he continues. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Again, he's, he's teaching, he's, he's speaking the gospel to himself. Anyone who goes after any other God their sorrows will only multiply. If I keep running after money and wealth, my sorrows will multiply. If I keep running after a perfect family, my sorrows will multiply. If I keep running after a perfect marriage, my sorrows will multiply. If I keep running after whatever it may be, my sorrows will only multiply. Their drink offerings of blood, I will not pour out. In other words, I will not worship them. I will not bow down to them. I will not offer them even a drink offering, not an ounce, will go to those idols. Nor will I take their name on my lips. I won't even name them. They don't even deserve to be named on my lips. Money, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about you. You don't deserve it. Fame. only words that will come out of my lips and who I will take refuge 
is the Lord himself. Away from me. I will not worship you. I will not even name you. The psalmist continues, Yahweh is my chosen portion and my cup. You are my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And once again, what does the psalmist say? Lord, you choose for me my portion. Sorry, Lord, you are my chosen portion and my cup. You are the one who holds my lot. Think of it this way. Let's say there was a buffet out there. And you can choose and eat every, anything that you want. And there was one portion and one cup that is of the Lord. Everything else might look good. But the psalmist is saying, I will choose you. There is no other drink. There is no, no other food that will satisfy me besides you. The lines have fallen for me in, in, in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. In other words, the Lord has boxed me in. But not boxed me in to, to oppress me. Not boxed me in to, to limit me but has boxed me in to give me pleasure. It's like, what? There is pleasure, there is joy in knowing that the lot that God has given me it was by His wisdom and His understanding. And when I am within that box, I see the Lord himself. And there's two ways you can think about this, but I think that the, 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 the good way of thinking about this, or the proper way of thinking about this, is that the Lord has saved you from the things of this world. The things of this world do not give you pleasure. The lot that you have of salvation, the inheritance that you have in the Lord, that automatically limits you or prevents you from inheriting the, the evil things of this world. And we can say, God, what I have, thank you. And praise be to you. This is not about having more stuff than other people. This is not about advancing better than other people. This isn't about having an inheritance of, of a physical land that your parents might leave you. This is about the inheritance that you have and the faith that the Lord has given or bestowed upon you. It is good. Those of you who have God and have nothing in this world, you have the same as those who have God and has everything in this world. In other words, God is infinite. And the things in the world that's added is simply plus one over infinity, if I can put it that way. Your inheritance is rich. 
Your lot that the Lord has given you is rich. In verse 7, I will bless, bless the I will bless Yahweh who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Once again, it's not only not only does he understand that God has given him a portion, but he also understands that the Lord's words, his counsel, is ever, ever before him and is blessed because of it. Here is a man, once again, who is in trouble, say, preserve me, help me, who runs to the Lord's word and lets the words of God uphold him. Think about it. Do you know how hard it is to say, I love God, I have no good apart from you? Or, I'd rather be with the saints who love God? Or, Jesus is my portion in my cup? Or, whatever God has given me, and He's given me faith above all else, that's all I need that is beautiful? Do you know how hard it is to say those things? without being in God's word. Without hearing those words from God himself. And so the psalmist, King David, is saying to us and to, to those who, who come after him, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. And in the night also my heart instructs me. So this psalmist is so into God's word, so into preaching the gospel to himself, that at night, when all his work and labor is done, he doesn't run to food or drink, doesn't run to YouTube or Netflix, doesn't run to the things of this world, but even when his heart is not actively praying nor reading God's word, his heart is so impressed by the Lord that it continues to instruct him about God's goodness. And in verse 8, he makes a declaration I shall not be shaken. I shall not be shaken. When some people read the psalm, they'll say, this change in attitude is too quick. They'll say that this change in attitude, it's not actually in the reading of this. It takes time. It maybe takes some people a year or two years or, or, or just, there's a period of time where this, the psalm extends and extends and someone will say, you know what, I'm still on verse one. <laughs> I'm still on verse one. I tell you, I'll, let me say this to you right now. If you've been on verse one for just a year or two, you, you're doing something wrong. This psalm 
If you sit before the Lord, you take a hold of yourself, you spend 15, 20 minutes with the Lord, God will change you. God will show himself to you. God will show you the truth of these these words. And you should be able to say, I'm not going to be shaken, Lord. Because all of these words are true. Verse 9, therefore, right? Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. The Christian who runs to the Lord is glad of heart. The Christian who runs to the Lord rejoices. The Christian who runs to the Lord knows that their life is secure. When I read the word here, my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices. It's not simply sort of like this disconnect of, oh, I'm sad, oh, I'm glad. But it's a real joy in thinking deeply about who God is and what he's done. Thinking deeply about what I just, what we just went through in Psalm 16. Right? We're just, we're just looking at just the surface interpretations of these things. The applications in your whole life go deeper and deeper. And yet there's a joy when we think deeply about the idea or the knowledge that God is the only thing that is good. That how silly it is to pour out our offerings to other idols. To how silly it is to give them life by by speaking their name. And I I believe that the switch from, one of the things that happens is the switch from sadness or, or, or helplessness to joy. I think one of the things that happens in between is, is laughter. It's renewing our sense of humor. Renewing our sense of how incongruous it is for a person of God to follow anything else but God. How silly it is to feed ourselves poison when there's food readily available to us. And we laugh. God, how silly of us to to run after other things. And that laughter turns to joy. Lord, thank you that I can laugh and, and rejoice in knowing that you're really all that I need. You really are good. How joyful is know that even in my circumstances, when I ask you for refuge, you give it to me. I'm here. This joy is a lightness in spirit of the things of this world. Not to throw them away, but to deal with them in their proper places. Deal with your schoolwork in your proper place. Deal with your your work. Deal with your family. Deal with your marriage. Deal with politics. Deal with anything around you in its proper place. But with a measured 
lightness and joy knowing that God himself is in control of all things. Now you might be asking me, Pastor Young, isn't this sermon series about Christ in the Psalms? Where is Jesus? <laughs> Where are you going with all of this? Well, we get to that point here. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You will make known to me the paths of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand's hand are pleasures forevermore. In Acts chapter 2, Paul is giving, a, is giving, sorry, Peter is giving a speech. And he points to verse 9, uh, sorry, verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. And as Peter looks at Psalm 16, he realizes that this portion is not speaking about King David himself. But that this portion is speaking about the seed of David who will come after him. In 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse, um, verse 12 and on, the prophet Nathan talks about the fact that David will one day pass away that he will die. But that the promise is that there will always be a king of the seed of David who will rule and that there will be an eternal king who is perfect, who will rule perfectly in all things. You see, David was afraid of something that we're all afraid of. David himself and the psalmist was afraid of death. Ultimately, in this whole passage, when he says, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, David is talking about death. During the time of the Israelites, there wasn't a full-fledged understanding of what happens after someone dies. It wasn't fully developed yet. We knew that those who would be with the Lord were with the Lord. But we didn't know what happened to those who died who didn't know the Lord. We just said they went to this place called Sheol. But we also didn't know that these people, when they died and they were with God right now, that what is, they didn't know what's the end goal of death. What's the end goal of, of being someone who belongs to God? David had hope, proleptically, looking forward, that he knew that God would not abandon him. He knew that the Holy One, that those who knew God would not see corruption that there would be a fullness, a shalom, a peace that would return. And that's what Peter picks up on in Acts chapter 2 when he quotes this passage. 
this passage is about the resurrection of Jesus. This passage is about the fact that Jesus has conquered death. This passage is about that Jesus as the king will rightfully rule forever and ever. This passage is about the fact that Jesus has acquired for us eternal life in him. That those who belong to him belong with him for eternity. That those who belong to him will never be corrupt. That those who belong to him have hope in this life, but also hope in the life to come. I want you to think about this. David wrote this psalm without knowing the conclusion of the story. His faith was deep. The Lord blessed him with a faith that looked to the future. His faith was deep. Our faith the faith that we have, it's complete. We say these words, we pray this prayer, not with the hope that one day we understand, when, or, or, or with the hope of, of wondering when a Messiah will come. We don't read this psalm with the hope of God just show, just what the end is going to look like. We know the end. We know that Christ has come. We know that God himself will be our refuge. We know that he will preserve us. We know that God alone is good because Jesus has died for us. We know that it is good to be with brothers and sisters because the Spirit lives in us and we are able to praise the Lord together. We know that we should not give to other idols because we see how good Jesus is and what he has given to us. We know that we anything that has happened to us is for, for, is for our good. We understand that the pleasures of this world, the pleasures of knowing God, the pleasures of the world to come belong to you and I because Jesus has secured that. And we know, we know that we will not be abandoned ever but with the Lord forever and ever. And so we can say in verse 11, in light of what Jesus has done, we can say, you make known to me the path of life. Trust in God, follow God, die to self, live for God. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Following Jesus, we will have our own sufferings. But following Jesus brings about more joy. So, brothers and sisters, go and read this psalm again. Cry out to the Lord with this psalm. Make any and every application that you can in your own life and know that the Lord loves you. 
Start laughing at yourself when you go, I can't believe I pour out my libations to, to this. I can't believe that on my lips is this more than the Lord's name. I can't believe that I care more about what other people who don't know the Lord think about me than my brothers and sisters. My joy has been in God and will be in God. And know that it is secured, has been secured, because, as Peter has said, that this has been secured in the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we run to, to whom is our rest and our peace. So stop it. Brothers and sisters, stop praying to something that's in the sky. And I'm talking to all of you who are Christians as well. Stop praying to your own thoughts. Stop meditating on whatever you're meditating on. Stop it. That's not prayer. And I know it's not prayer because your faces are still miserable afterwards. <laughs> Run to the Lord. And after we have seen his presence, let's laugh. And let's rejoice. For God and God alone is good. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, there is no one like you. It is you that we take refuge in. And we know, Lord, the fullness of that refuge, Lord God, because you've revealed it to us in your Son, Jesus. There is no more death for us who belong to you. Jesus, the resurrected one, is the first fruits of the resurrection, and we will be there soon. In fact, even our lives here, even though we live in the Already not yet, even though there is indwelling sin still in us, Lord, there is still joy, Lord God, because we know that we will be fully made conquerors one day. And at every time in this world that we have those little victories, those small victories and those big victories, we know that your kingdom is moving forward in our lives and your kingdom is moving forward here on this earth. We belong to you. So help us as your church to follow you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.